where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you to the voice of Ryan Treasure, Bonnie D. in the house here. If you, those of you who are watching us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube, yes, we're streaming on YouTube. Yay! Took me years, but I finally did it. You can see that I'm not using the usual technology revolution, the future of now background. I have created this moonscape, which is a combination of oil, soap, and water. Don't even ask. I copied somebody else's prompt, and I said a red moonscape with red lips. Lipstick. There are four of them actually behind me. Red lipstick and a red microphone. So this beautiful little silver microphone with a little red red shaft there and my red scarlet microphone. So I decided to swap it out for today to have something a little bit different. So yes, this is technology revolution. Don't be confused. We're the real deal. This is my 2024 crystal ball prediction special week five. I'm doing six weeks this year. Next week will be the final week. It'll be all authors next week, which should be very interesting from different genres. Yes, I'm getting a lot of eyebrows raised here. I don't put people together for these shows. I just send out an invitation to a couple hundred people who've been on the show. It was for 2023. I had to be on the show at least once. And whoever accepts, accepts. So we have what we call a potpourri of POVs. We're not B2B, we're B2C. And we're going to talk about their predictions. Everything should I hope panelists relate to AI somehow. We're missing two people, a lot of power outages. Uh, full disclaimer, Loudoun, Tennessee, zero degrees this morning. We're up to a balmy 11 Fahrenheit, 11 above zero. And I don't know if the power is going to stay on, so we'll do the best we can. But everybody's having snow and uh, storm issues around the country, so we will do what we can. No, Carrie says no. Okay, <laughs> lady in charge. Okay, so let me start out with my opening, which is a poem I co-wrote with ChatGPT. Full disclaimer. Here we go. A lot of disclaimers. It's AI, but I'm still a human. Do you all vote that I'm still a human? Do you think? What do you think? Can Bonnie still be? I get the thumbs up on Zoom there. So this is a co-versification. We'll make some word up like. Here we go. So just as a full notification here, in 2023, AI's impact on technology was significant enough to influence the word of the year selections of, oh, the revered Oxford, the Cambridge, and the Merriam-Webster dictionaries. Guess what? So AI was in there. The word hallucinate. We all know about law briefs that weren't really there. And authentic. I don't call it authentic. To me, it's real deal with a hyphen, and that's why you're all here, because you're the real deal, made the list, and the word prompt was a runner-up. The source was AI Tool Report from December 5th, 2023. So here's my poem. Welcome, time travel enthusiasts, to Technology Revolution's crystal ball number five extravaganza. See, that's a word I'm going to rhyme, so listen to it. Where the future's a wild ride full of techno bonanza. Karen, you got that? Your guide on this futuristic spree is me, Bonnie D., your maestra of tomorrow, hosting predictions with glee. See me smiling? Behold the sultaness of speculation. I've been called worse. The diva of divination. I've got the inside scoop on the futurist creme de la creme savvy prognostication. You're all the futurist creme de creme. I know that's a big word. I I'm going to read all the names. A couple of you aren't here, but just wave if I call your name. Bill is here. Katya had a power outage. She might come back. Serge is here. Wave hello. Karen is here. Jeremy hasn't shown up yet. Julie is here. Kelly is here. Ursula is here. And Carrie is here. 
each an AI all-star, predicting the digital dreams that are taking our world so far. These visionaries gaze into the digital abyss. I want you all to gaze. Can I see you all gazing? There you go. Bill's got it. Gazing into the digital abyss. But as 2024 unfolds, will their foresights hit or miss? Uh Uh-oh, we'll be watching. Raise your cup, whether it's Joe, Earl, Jack, Dom, or water like me, as technology revolution explores the future with aplomb. That rhymes with Dom, okay? Bonnie D's mic with scarlet allure broadcasts her voice crystal clear and pure. Join us in welcoming the possibilities tomorrow holds where inspiration and smiles unfold. I want you all to smile. Big smiles. There we go. I promise smiles. Okay, so tune in, watch, and stick around for a while for who knows, you might be inspired or you just might smile. Cheers to the future and technology revolution style. So what'd you all think? Did you like it? Very nice. good. Very good. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. I'm going to put the speaker order into the, into the chat here so you all know who's speaking when. There we go. So let's get started. I'm going to read some very, very brief bios. I'll try to skip the people who aren't here, but I don't see Katja or, or Jeremy, so it's okay. Bill Clayman, wave hello. Bill is a board member and advisor, neuro education chair, infrastructure masons. He's a data center, cloud, and digital infrastructure leader. Analytica ranked him a leading executive in cloud computing and data security. He focuses on chat GPT, AI, and machine learning and their impacts on data center architecture. Bill Welcome back. Thank then you we so have much, Bonnie. Pleasure. And Katya isn't here. I'll save her bio if she joins us again. Power went out. Serge Hoffman, he's calling from France. Serge has worked in the software industry and automotive industry and communications. Oh, what a boring job. He worked on the Olympic Games, Disney theme parks, and Formula One. Serge, really. He's a self-taught digital music composer and a performer. And I have used some of his original music with his gracious authorization and permission on some of my radio shows. His music has been featured in TED. TEDx Talks, Cirque du Soleil, and Disney. Serge, welcome. Everybody needs to know and go hear some of his music. Karen Gibson is here. She's just busy doing everything. The author, and she's in Hawaii. The author of Mama's Gotta Let Go, How to Let Go Without Losing Your Sanity, and 100 Parenting Tips Inspired by the Pandemic. Karen founded Brain Builders, tutoring students for success in and out of the classroom and letting go with aloha, mentoring stressed parents, to navigate with peace, not pain. Karen, welcome back. Lovely to see you. And then we have, we'll skip Jeremy, Julie LaRuli. I've finally got your name right. She's a marketing and digital leader at Caterpillar and State Farm and marketing sales operations in e-commerce. She's a certified Six Sigma black belt. Everybody, great respect for Julie, okay? I want you to great respect, okay? We've got a, a Sigma Six here. And she's a scrum master. She's the board VP for 7x24 Exchange International. And she created and leads their Women in Mission Critical Operations Community and International Data Center Day. Julie, welcome. Then we have Kelly Lindsay, Director of Strategic Partnerships with Autotech Ventures. She was previously Director of Sales and Business Development for Third World Labs, 20% owned by Ford. We have to say that. Kelly is the co-chair of a Alliances for the Automotive Women's Alliance Foundation. Kelly, welcome. And we have Ursula. We've got a writer with us. We've got a musician and a writer. It's a good mix. Novelist Ursula Wong, strong women. I think we have several of those here, but they're fictional. Battle impossible odds to achieve their dreams. How many of you have battled impossible odds to, I think a couple of us have, yes? Okay. Her stories have appeared in magazines and anthologies. Ursula also offers classes and seminars on publishing and writing. She's affiliated with the Seven Bridge Writers Collaborative, Sisters in Crime New England, and the New Hampshire Writers Project. Always delighted to see you, Ursula. Thank you, and I adore your hair. You're the brave one. And then we have Karen. 
Carrie gets Carrie. I can't even keep up with all of her mm -hmm. accolades and all of her certifications. She's a principal and CTO, Strategitcom. She's the author of Jumpstart Your Career in Data Centers, featuring careers for women, trades, and vets in tech and data centers. Wow. She received the 2023 inaugural Lifetime Achievement Awards, AFCOM slash Data Center World. She received the 2023 BICSI ICT Woman of the Year Award and Mission Critical's 2022 and 23 Top 25 Women in Tech list. She has only logged so far more than 4 million miles for her global data center projects. What do you all think of that? So why don't you all give yourselves a little round of applause. You are all stellar. You are all valued. You're all important to me. You've all added so much wonderful content and POVs and predictions to my shows all year long, and that's why you're here. So let's kick off this party and get started. Bill Clayman, you're going to be on full speaker view. So why don't you take, you get a whole four minutes because two people aren't here, Bill. So go ahead, do your thing. Let's hear your predictions. Go ahead. I appreciate it so much, Bonnie. And hello, everybody. Welcome. Uh, this is such such a great conversation. It's one of the few times that I've actually taken notes about my prediction, Bonnie. Mm. Uh, I, I, I wrote them down just to make sure that we can do this. I, I loved your introduction. The future is minutes away. Literally, I'm going to be talking about how it's, it's quite literally minutes away. Um, and then I, I love uh, the, the people that are here. Karen Gibson, holy cow, I actually wrote an article uh, on data center knowledge. You're going to love this. It's called Raising a Baby One Hour at a time. And I'm not kidding. I'm a millennial dad. So I used a whole bunch of tools on my phone to actually map out the growth, uh, different kinds of patterns of my kid. And I was able to forecast when to put her down for a nap, when she would be less cranky, developmental leaps, how I can fuel those developmental leaps. So, hey, everybody, technology, I know this is actually not my prediction. I just love the people that are here. Uh, technology outside of reducing stress can actually help you raise a kid. All right. All right. All right. All right. Here's my prediction. Now, um, uh, Bonnie mentioned some of the things that I do. I work with a really cool organization called Neuro. And in the age of AI and ChatGPT and Generative, all this stuff, there's people who are down in the in the in the trenches or are down there digging for the gold. There's people that uh, you know are selling the pickaxes to go get the gold. Well, my company builds the pickaxes and the shovels. We are the garage that makes it all happen. So, so. My prediction is going to be around AI, and it's actually going to be specifically around something known as ChatGPT, specifically GPT. Five upwards of five trillion parameters, bigger than anything we've ever seen. And the world of artificial intelligence is literally on the brink of a significant shift with this upcoming release of GPT-5, which will arrive, my prediction, as early as before the end of 2024. And this new model is expected to bring about a host of really critical enhancements that are going to have profound impacts, everything from startups to very large organizations, the big things that we're going to anticipate, and this is going to impact everything from what Bonnie uses to illustrate her really cool background images to how we <laughs> use poems, for example. But these advancements are poised to alter the way startups, organizations, and people interact with AI, offering new possibilities while also presenting some pretty serious challenges that are going to require careful planning and strategic thinking. How volatile is this going to be? A single feature update could potentially derail an entire startup's whole business plan. Now, imagine a world, an AI architecture that can not only answer simple questions, but also understand and tackle truly complex problems with nuanced and precision responses. 
that's what GPT-5 is actually promising to do with improved reasoning capabilities and for startups and enterprises that rely on AI to perform really essential tasks and important decisions, this is a game changer. The ability to, to process intricate queries accurately is going to be invaluable, helping these companies all sorts making smarter and more data-driven decisions. Now, finally, reliability. That's something that we've always had a problem with in AI where it's becoming increasingly important, things like biased data and hallucinations. As these technologies become more integrated into everyday business operations, hey, everybody, if you've been on Google and Bing and you type in a question, it's no longer a blue link. It's a generative AI response now. So you got to make sure it's accurate. With GPT-5 coming out here very, very soon, it's set to enhance these these aspects by producing results that are consistent and can be trusted. That's an important word there. You can finally actually really trust some of these results for startups, enterprises, organizations of all sorts, uh, which often operate, for example, with limited resources or sensitive information and cannot afford unpredictability. Think healthcare, for example, of current AI versions. What we're going to be seeing is going to have significant reduction in risk and a significant increase in accuracy. These multimodal models are going to revolutionize further our interaction, humanity, humanity's interaction with data. And that's my prediction. Thank you very much, Bill. I love the presentation. I love the confident style with which you basically put them on a silver platter for us and presented them with such confidence. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I'm only Reason confident because it's going to happen. Well, that's why I said when 2024 unfolds, will they come true? And we're all going to be cheeky. <laughs> so up. let's move on. Katja is not here. I'm hoping she joins again. She lost power. She was here. Katja McEwen, who is the founder of My Divine Download. She is a design maven, just so you know, and a certified mindset coach for high achievers who are addicted to the hustle. How about that? So let's move on to Serge Hoffman. Serge, welcome. Serge and I were doing a project last year where we were creating virtual. I had my videos with Serge's music as the soundtrack, and we put them on Spatial.io, which is one of the few uh, AI websites, visuals, that you can go to without the clunky headset. Mine's been sitting here in the $350 monster and I haven't used it in six months. And I'm not going to buy the new Apple Pro headset, which is coming in retail at $3,500. So Serge, we'll have to talk about that. So Serge and I had some projects and, and it was lovely. Serge, ready for your predictions. Go ahead. Uh, thank you, Bonnie, and uh, welcome, everybody. I'm really glad to be invited to do the show, and it's always very interesting to share our views and opinions uh, with, with everybody. So my idea is that on one hand, uh, regarding technology, um, as Bill was mentioning, I see a lot of tools and, and uh, advanced technology going every day. So uh, there's ChatGPT, as Bill was mentioning, there are also uh, other models like a large language model, LLM, and also uh, new new um, new tools that combines all the advantages of those technology called Langchain. Langchain is a capability to capture data from various data sources and bring them and understand the prompt and, and the ideas you want to take from all those contents. For example, uh, when I see all the books that are behind you, uh, Carrie, uh, you know, we can take all the ideas and, and ask questions. For example, what is the common uh, uh, reference or what is the, the commonality uh, in, uh, from your three books? So we can can group the content of those three books in, in one note, right, <clears throat> and ask uh, prompt on, on those uh, things. And, and the same of, of all the uh, names which are behind uh, Lindsay, you know, uh, on, on the 
No, sorry, uh, Katie, uh, behind Hi. you, uh, all, all the words from Autotech Ventures, you know, we can ask questions from all those companies. So this is really uh, an advanced capacity that grows with the technology and, and all the, the capabilities of software and hardware. And I think the challenge uh, now will be for the humans, for us, how to leverage this and how to use that for our benefit. So for sure, there are risks uh, because the more uh, the tools can do, the less it will be required by, to individuals. There are a lot of works and jobs which could be replaced. And, and we know that, we hear that in the various countries, replaced by, by those technology. And then the challenge is to how to learn them to evolve uh, at the same rhythm and, and, and face it and, and use those tools for our advantages in our everyday life. And this is, has been the same type of uh, evolution that you have seen with electricity, with computer, uh, with all, all, all the big changes in, in, the, in the world, um, you know, that we need to adapt and evolve and make the best of it. So I do not see that as a danger. I see that as an opportunity. And also, as Bill was mentioning, to be able to trust you know, what you read and what you what you hear. Because on one hand, it's really confusing. You know, all the, your very nice background, Bonnie, which is really great, which we know you have drawn with your hands, right? Uh, oh, that, sure. <laughs> that is, we don't know where it comes from, and, and but you're very gifted. So, so we have to know, you know, exactly what is... Uh, coming from, from someone or what is being built by a machine. If it is a portrait, if it is a picture, if it is a book, if it is a story, even a music, right? And I trust the people, I trust all of you to recognize, you know, what is coming from a man, from a woman with our own emotions, meaning the, the right to make mistakes, the right to make things which are not completely exact, uh, you know, um, uh, but but human, right? Compared to something which is cold, but but nice. So it's a balance that we have to make. But again, I think what we have to do is to be able to use those new tools for our benefit and to make our life easier and hopefully better. And for, for me, uh, so my music is, is my passion, as Bonnie was mentioning, and I'm trying to use those tools and to see their limits. So for sure, I can press a button and just relax and, and wait for, for the, the computer to do the music. But in the end, it's not very me because it's not my work it's just i press a button right and it lacks uh, emotion it lacks my input it lacks my errors it lacks my um, what, what i want to do and why should i put this and then that you know mixed uh, a trumpet with a drum or, or mixed a rhythm like this and like that so these are things that an ai would not think about because they, they will think about how to be most efficient compared to the rhythm the tempo and and the instruments you have chosen so what i think is that in the end People will be still in charge, in control, in the driving seat. And AI is just another tool that we need to learn and um, make our road better for the future. Thank you. Very nice. And Serge, I usually just have the speaker on full screen speaker view, but you were referencing Carrie's books and Kelly's background. And I went to full gallery view so that when you were talking, the audience could see what you were talking about. Serge, I'm going to ask you a favor. Oh, oh, Bill, Bill's. Oh, that book just <laughs> popped up there. I don't know how some automatic arm just lifted it up in front of Bill Clayman. Serge, if you would have the opportunity to go to our spatial.io website at some point, just tell me in the chat. I'd love for everybody to see what our gallery looked like with all of the videos. With my art, these videos were my artwork, my real artwork done with acrylics and and um, all, all kinds of paints. Um, watercolors and everything and collages. And then we put his music to them. And I I auto, I motivated them. I molded 
Oh boy. I moved them so that it was like uh, stop motion so that you could see everything moving with the music, the dramatic music underneath. One of them is my daughter's artwork. So Serge, if you'd let me know, I think everybody would love to just have a sneak peek at what we used to do together. Thank you so much. Sorry for the words not coming. I'm, I'm eating a lot of chocolate right now. Let's go to Karen Gibson. Karen from Hawaii. What's the weather forecast? Go ahead and make us jealous. Karen, what you got there? <laughs> It's a freezing 58 here. <laughs> 11. Anybody want to put in a, a temperature? 11. Anybody got something interesting? 53. Carrie? 53? 53. 53. Okay. Kelly, what's your temperature there? Do you know? I woke up. It was three. Okay, good. Ursula, what about you? Unmute, dear. There you go. We are in the 50s. Oh, my oh goodness. My God. Uh, we just Julie? hit double digits. We hit double digits. Uh, right. uh, lucky you. <laughs> Julie, what about you? We're having a heat wave. We were uh, in the negatives yesterday. So now we're up at about eight degrees. So I'm excited. 11 here. I am too. You'll get to nine soon. And yeah, okay. And Serge, what is it in Paris? What's the weather? Serge, you're still muted, dear. Unmute. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, it says it's going to snow uh, this evening, which means it's around zero degrees Celsius. And tomorrow we should have five to 10 uh, centimeters of snow, which would be a huge catastrophe in the old area because we're not used to drive with snow. <laughs> Neither <laughs> is Loudoun, Tennessee. And we were blanketed with a blizzard that went on for about 20 hours and everything has stopped. We New Yorkers know how to do it, but they don't hear. Karen Gibson, you're up. Sorry for the interruption. I thought it'd be fun to get temperatures. Go ahead, Karen. Well, my crystal ball predictions have to do with one of my passions, education, and how AI will be life-changing for teachers. As a former special ed teacher eons ago, I think all teachers are stressed, overwhelmed, and just energy depleted, right? We're so exhausted. So AI will give us additional time for instruction because we won't have to be doing the grading, taking attendance, doing the awful chore of report cards, and creating tests and curriculum. My second prediction is that because AI can track learning habits, assess learning styles, communication styles, and just you know, know what the child really needs. As special ed teachers, we're supposed to come up with individualized educational plans. We come up with them, but very unrealistic to actually carry out those plans because we have about 15 um, special ed students that are equivalent to about 45 regular ed students. So it's on paper, but very difficult to carry out those goals. So with AI, all of that, I believe, will be possible. The third one is one of my favorites. As a tutor, I would get Facebook messages. I would get texts. Miss Karen, can you please edit my paper? Miss Karen, can you go over this algebra problem off hours, night at night when I'm on vacation? And sometimes I would feel like I would need to. You know, I'm at the airport stopping, doing a fraction problem, wondering, like, why am I doing this? I think if you're a teacher, your passion is to be supportive to students. We no longer do that. <laughs> but I believe that 24-7 personal tutoring services are what AI can provide. It's instant assistance. You can get your answers to your problems, you know, algebra problems, um, essay questions, and actually have step-by-step. -step. It's possible now, you know, step-by-step -step instructions, figuring out really problem, um, like calculus problems. Um, I did that with my daughter and I said, hey, I don't know calculus, but is this the answer? Yeah, how do you know that, mom? AI. <laughs> so I, I know a lot of um, students are getting in trouble with it, 
but I believe use it as a resource and hopefully teachers will know that they're not cheating, they're just being resourceful and then just learning the process because they're taught, actually they're not taught in the classroom sometimes, right? They're like, here's the problem, go for it without any um, concrete instructions with the process. My last prediction is that students will be able to have their very repetitive questions answered. I know a lot of students tell me, my, my teachers say, what, did you not hear me? I will not answer that question again and again and again, which prevents students from even answering questions. One of my students said on the first day, someone, uh, the teacher said, you wanna know what? And from then on, no one asked a question. That was last August. So she said, we're all terrified of her. And so no one asked questions. So I'm sure not all, I think if you're, just, you're just overwhelmed as a teacher. And when you keep being asked the same question, when is the deadline? What do we need to do again? I forgot what you just said, and it's repetitive. I believe AI will come to the teacher's rescue and answer these questions. Um, also, handle emails. I know a lot of parents repeatedly email, what's the deadline, what's the criteria, again and again. You haven't answered me, I'm going to follow up again with phone calls and complaints. Why did you do this to my child? How dare you, um, you know, single out my child and ridicule them in front of the entire class? This is unacceptable. I want you to apologize. Yeah, you'd be amazed at the stories that I hear from both students, teachers, and parents. And the last thing that I think AI will help, and I could have used this, is being a language interpreter, whether it's um, verbal, written. Um, in Hawaii, we're a melting pot, so many different languages. And if I just had this, it would reduce my stress in just communicating. Sometimes we'd have to visit families um, who did not have access to phone services, maybe they're um, you know struggling financially, so there were no resources. And it's you feel very incompetent going in using kind of like sign language or trying. We didn't even have um, Google back then. That was like a long, long time ago. It started in like the mid 90s. And now, um, you know, we wouldn't have imagined AI um, existing. I want to share real quick. One of my students who's seven, I explained how, you know, um, the little rabbit in the story had to use his alarm clock. And he said, um, why don't they just use their, their phone? And I said, there was no phone. <laughs> there was no internet. What? There was no internet? <laughs> so I had him do my age, 2024 20, minus my age. And he goes, you were born in the, in the 19-somethings? Were there cars then? I said, yes, there are cars then. Karen, that's charming. We've uh, seen education. So from the inside. Go ahead. Finish your sentence. Go ahead. No, I was just, um, I just started cracking up and he said, what's so funny? You know, it's like, oh my gosh, I just, I can't imagine life without Google, you know, you but go. now it's far more advanced than Google. And I think AI will drastically reduce stress and increase um, a little bit of peace for that teachers are just oh, very, I have very to Tell everybody, January 31st, Karen is coming back on Technology Revolution and bringing hopefully three parents. We're waiting for Ren to send her information, if you could jog her a little bit. Uh, and we're going to have a panel talking about 
parenting, the future of parenting in AI. So some of these points you're bringing up, Karen, and I will tell you that in seventh grade, one of my projects elicited a great mocking and uh, laughter from my teacher, Miss Petrusa, in seventh grade, and the whole class joined her in laughing at me. And that killed my ability and my interest in contributing to classes for years and years after that, all the way through to college. I was I was basically hampered. I was emotionally, I won't use the word crippled, but I was uh, put into this box of they're going to laugh at me. I am not a good student. I'm not a value and I'm doing stupid stuff. So uh, it does, it probably is still even, it's there, right? The, the, way a teacher receives a student and everybody's supposed to be equally smart and equally valuable today. Well, it's still happening and that's the human side of education. So I hope AI never laughs at us and derides us and makes us feel silly in class. We'll just leave that Kelly like that. We'll leave that one alone. Karen Gibson, always wonderful to see you. Jeremy Burns not here. Let's go to Julie LaRuli. I finally learned to say and pronounce and spell your name, my dear. So Julie, I want you to sit up a little bit. We're cutting off your face there. If you could just sit okay. up. We want to see. There you go. There's beautiful okay. Julie. Julie, give us your predictions. You got three and a half minutes. Go. So my prediction for this year for AI um, maybe isn't as positive as some of the ones that we've gotten so far. You know, one of the things that's coming up in the U.S. is our elections this year for the presidents. And I really see this may be an opportunity for our not so positive folks uh, to take advantage of all of the power of AI and moving into the deep fakes. You know, there aren't always... We see a lot of negativity around the elections typically, and I think this year will be no exception. And so I'm thinking that there's going to be something that comes up in that area. But the good news is I think that it will also provide an opportunity for really going back and looking at policies. So one of the things I think is really important as we go forward, because this is such a new frontier, is that it will create the opportunity for more policies um, on how we do good with AI and machine learning. So I think that overall, this will give an opportunity to really kind of bring to highlight the importance of really creating the policies and framework to utilize the AI and machine learning for good. So really, I see a lot more um, individuals, you know, as Karen was talking about teachers and their concern over AI, but there's so much power in AI, it's really going to be important that we develop the framework and how we use it for business, how we how we use it for education. You know, we've got companies out there who are suing the different AI folks and, you know, the challenge with that is we don't want to stifle all the power and good of AI. And so there's going to be a lot of uh, work this year in my vision is that how do we use AI for good? What are the policies? And really making it a more formal and investigative standpoint on how to do good and make sure that everyone is safe and that it's used in the proper way. 
Thank you, Julie. You bring up some very interesting points. And you know, I don't do politics on this show. Right. I, I put a note to you. I, I wasn't sure where you were going to go. But your point is well taken. And there is still a lot of fear in the world. I think you'll all agree mm-hmm. about what is this thing called AI? Is it going to take away my job? Is it going to take away my life? Is it going to take away my livelihood? Is it going to take away my ability to think? Is it going to take away my job? What is it going to do to me? What is it going to do for me? And the people standing on the sidelines are watching it snowballing down the hill, up the mountain. And those of us who appreciate and are using it. I have fun with AI. That poem I wrote in the beginning, uh-huh. I, I put in my notes and chat GPT in under three seconds delivered the poem and then I customize it. Yes, it's still AI plus human. This background I created with a one uh-huh. sentence prompt in I use Night Cafe Studio, which is an, not as popular as Midjourney, but I like it. And by the way, if you pay for chat GPT at the GPT-4 level now, it comes with Dolly included. It's 20 bucks a month. And one of my colleagues at Voice America uses it, and he's doing amazing work with it. It doesn't do voices yet, but it does the text and the uh-huh. images in the same thing. So I'm having fun with it. I don't think I'm right. hurting anybody. I love the ideas. I could never create this moonscape. And who's going to give me a picture with <laughs> with lipsticks and a microphone growing out of the moon? Come on, give me a break. I'm having a blast with it. So I use yeah. it for recreation and for also part of what I present to my audiences and to my panelists. And I'm having fun. I'm not losing a job or losing my life with it. So I think there's a fun aspect. And I don't think enough yeah. people are talking about the fun. Do you agree, Julie? Can't we have oh, fun? Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, one of the things is, you know, as you create these artworks, I, there's going to need to be a definition if you're using AI what's what's original what's ip so there's all these frameworks that are going to need to be developed and i think this is a year that people will start to really focus in on how do we utilize it for business and how do we also keep it open in the world for everyone to leverage and you know because people are going to want to keep their own proprietary information but then how do we balance that in business and just in life? So well I see put. a lot more along the lines of, you know, structure and policies for and AI. Amazon also has a checkbox, I understand. If you're mm-hmm. self-publishing a book, Ursula can talk to this when she gets up in a minute, a couple minutes. Uh, did you use AI? Is it all AI? And I had um, uh, Eddie Vincent, you know him, Ursula, the publisher of Encircle Publishing. And I had somebody who was an, an author on one of the earlier versions of this Crystal Ball Prediction Show. And this gentleman said that he's written three books in a series of novels. And he's running out of inspiration for the fourth. So he put in his style into ChatGPT and said, well, outline or help me write my fourth. And the fourth one was mostly written by ChatGPT, but it's his work, his style, his voice. And Eddie looked up and he said, I would never publish that book. I would never go there because even though it's, I can't remember the name of the the gentleman, you probably know him, Ursula, from the book uh, organizations you belong to. But he said, but it's my work. And Eddie said, no, AI wrote it. I wouldn't I wouldn't touch that for Encircle Publishing. So anyway, thank you, Julie. Very provocative. Let's move on. And our next guest is Kelly Lindsay. Kelly, are we gonna get some insights onto robo taxis from you? I don't know. Talk to us. <laughs> I'm choosing a, a little more of a dry route of um where the rubber really meets the road, but not on vehicles, but on um, business processes. So how Bill was talking about the picks and shovels of AI and ML and and then, um, you know, starting to talk about how 
it really gets applied. I think 2024 is about deployment. And I'm going to tell you a story first. Um, there's this guy that um, we work with at AutoTech. He was early in at eBay, early in at Tesla. He's now a deep tech angel investor and just a genius, right? And he was telling an anecdote about, I think he was at Stanford in 1985. He wrote a paper about a digital camera. And um, his professor called him in and um, said, what are you referencing here? Where'd you get this information? And he said, the internet. And the professor said, what's the internet? And you can't do that. And he got in trouble. So it sort of reminded me of Karen talking about how AI is getting kids into trouble now. The internet was getting kids into trouble, you know, in the 80, in, in the 80s and 90s. By the early 2000s, the internet was ubiquitous, right? It took about 20 years for the technology to deploy and for everybody to have access to it. And so uh, this guy was talking about that and he said, AI is going to be much different. It's not going to take 20 years for it to be a tool. So these large language models, generative AI, and their different forms that they're being deployed, um, it's going to be more like five years. So put on your seatbelt. And so I feel as if you know, past couple years, the general public is talking about AI and it's it's very nebulous and sometimes hard to um, understand. But really, there are people coming and working on really specific ways that it adds value. Sure, there's the fun and the creativity side of it, but there is actually jobs to get done that make it easier for people to do their job with less stress, make things much more efficient. They don't necessarily take the job away, but have that worker with that knowledge in the cockpit being much happier at how they get their job done. And so Autotech Ventures, we invest in ground transportation, automotive, and mobility. And we look at seed, pre-seed, early stage startup companies. So those people who are coming out with their ideas and they're starting to build their product and maybe haven't gone commercial yet. And so um, there's a couple uh, applications that we've uh, invested in within the past few months. So I think it's to say it's coming in 2024. Um, one company is for uh, supply chain. So those are the purchasing people. Let's talk about manufacturing companies. And if you're, uh, you know, and during the chip shortage, um, when I was at an Automotive Women's Alliance Foundation meeting, um, the people who looked like crap were the supply chain people. <laughs> Talk about tired people uh, that were getting no sleep. So if you can imagine being in purchasing, you're talking to the people who are doing the forecasting, the people that are doing the production um, from your customers that's coming in from all these different directions. And you're trying to understand what you have and, and when you're going to get it and how it's going to be just in time. And it is literally a barrage of emails, Excel sheets, and data sheets. So there is a product we just invested in a company that is taking LLM technology, reading across the spreadsheets, the emails, all of your history and generating, here's your current situation with this topic. Here's some suggestions on what your action might be. Are any of these the one you'd like to do? So it's really about taking that power and applying it to some specific use case. Same thing happening. We invested in another company more on the logistics and trucking side. So if you're a freight broker and you're trying to get with the people who have the product to ship and the stuff that's um, in the people that are the carriers that are delivering it. And, you know, is it on time? Is there a delay at the border? Uh, did there, was there a flat tire? You know, is there traffic? Um, all that data is getting streamlined to help people process process this information with a whole lot less stress. 
So that is sort of my artificial intelligence piece. Um, I'll stop for a comment. And if we have time, I could talk a little bit about vehicle electrification. We have time. I'm giving you two more minutes for vehicle because everybody wants to know flying taxis, robo this, is George Jetson <laughs> and are Jane and George coming back? Are we going to be seeing them? Are we going to be flying our own drones with, I don't know, cockpits? Kelly, two more minutes. Go. Okay, so um, hard no on um, robo taxis and uh, autonomous vehicles on the road, but you know where it's off the road, hundred percent, right? So mining, agriculture, uh, truck yards, ports, um, and manufacturing facilities are, are the places where you're really starting to see autonomy have traction. Um, and we've invested in a few places there. I think that's exciting. Um, and then um, along electrification. Um, yeah, you know, the world is moving that, day. you know, we're not going to talk politics, but irregardless, the rest of the world is moving in a direction. And um, so the technologies are incremental at this point. So there's no huge wow. Um, there's tons of people working on charging, tons of people working on, you know, interface with the grid and on the vehicle, light weighting and the range of the battery and the chemistries. All of that is, you know, little by little by little, we're getting these great percentage improvements, right? Um, but we're now just getting to the point where those first EVs are coming out of warranty. And we have that oh moment of what do we do now? How do we know the state of that battery? Yeah. How much is it worth? Who can I sell it to? Who wants to buy it? What am I going to do with that battery? So there's all sorts of things around there um, that we're excited about and seeing really start to come out of the woodwork. And, oh, I forgot to mention how to service it, right? Yeah. Um, you don't want to have your best technician spending three hours figuring out what the heck to do with this car when he's used to working on an ice, right? So new repair approaches as well. So those are, those are sort of the areas, auctioning the vehicles, servicing the vehicles, um, that is really going to emerge, I think, over this next year. Thank you. And apologies to everybody in supply chain for what Kelly said about you looking <laughs> like crap, but she meant it in a, in a very <laughs> loving way. I will tell you, there's um, I, I drive a BMW Z4 and uh, a couple of years old. And when you get your oil changed, it's virtually authentically in real life impossible for the technician, no matter where you take it to change the dashboard alert that says, please get your oil changed, vehicle is at risk. Even though you've had the oil changed, it stays on the dashboard. And my, my kids were here and they took my car someplace for me and had it done as a favor. And the mechanic, they actually pulled up the YouTube video on how do you reset the, this alert? And they couldn't do it. And my daughter and her husband are very brilliant. And so is this guy. And I checked with neighbors and they've got other cars of, shall we say, not US origin. And they have the same thing. You cannot reset the dashboard alert. It looks like it should be so simple. So I've looked it up. And this isn't even high tech, Kelly. This is just people are driving these cars. This is a 2019 car. It's still gorgeous, of course. But the point is that this is just real basic stuff. So I would love an AI in that dashboard alert to say, I sense that there's fresh oil in here. I'm going to change it and take a risk. Or it could say to me, could you please take a picture of the receipt for how many how many quarts of fresh oil you put in? And then it would say, oh, she changed the oil. So that's my wish. And I have to move on. But thank you, Kelly. We appreciate that. No robo-taxis this year. What can I say? Ursula Wong, the world of novelists and make-believe talk to us. Ursula, welcome. 
Bonnie, it's so great to be here. Um, so I'm a novelist representing some aspects of AI on creative writing. I write historical thrillers about Eastern Europe and Russia. So today, AI helps me occasionally with ideas and with historical threads about things I may not know about. But my first set of predictions are based on uh, something called the translation wall in the Tokyo subway system. So I can go up to this wall as an English-speaking person, and I can say, you know, when's the next train to Asakusa? And the wall will hear it and write the question in Japanese to a clerk who can respond, and the wall will translate that so that I can read the response. Now, these basic ideas applied to books, I think, will first of all, affect AI book translations. So to change a book, uh, to do, do multiple languages right now, to do a second language right now for a book is prohibitively expensive. It's time and money. Publishers have trouble with it, let alone indies. It's almost impossible for, for most indies. So I think that easy book translations and real-time audio, which is all reflected in the wall, uh, via some type of device or application will provide a scenario where you can buy a book written in Farsi, for example. And using this new app, you can hear the English translation while you're driving in your car. And that application could translate that Farsi book into English so you can read it on your e-reader when you get home at night. I think that this kind of solution will have a major impact on moving books into a true worldwide marketplace. Right now, Amazon is everywhere, but book translations are not. And I think this will revolutionize the exchange of ideas, um, having access to books in other languages almost immediately is phenomenal. And I think this will spark a revolution in publishing. Okay, my next um, set of predictions are based on something, Bonnie, that you talked about a few minutes ago about AI-generated books. So there was a um, literary prize in China granted to a man, uh, Shen Yang, who wrote a sci-fi novel called The Land of Machine Memories. So Mr. Yang is a professor um, at a Beijing university. He used AI to create this book as um, a submission for a contest. He came in second out of a field of 2000. All right, so what does this mean? It means AI is generating good stuff, but in the United States, AI generated fiction is considered public domain. So if I create an AI novel that happens to be a blockbuster, there is nothing preventing in the United States, there's nothing preventing Bonnie from republishing it and getting an income stream <laughs> and all of her thousands and thousands and thousands of listeners. Oh, millions, just millions. Uh -huh. Millions republishing uh, that book uh, for their own income streams. This is chaos. All right, so this has to be addressed. It has to be controlled. So let's step back a minute. AI can create copyrighted material right now under certain levels of engagement with the author. Now, this is potentially very, very impactful. However, 
it needs to be flushed out and socialized again to prevent chaos. So I think the rules of engagement need to be brought to writers, retailers, catalog hosts, editors, and so forth, so that these rules of engagement are understood before AI can become truly mainstream in fiction writing. So two big deals, real-time book translation, I think will revolutionize the world of reading. And I think that um, we need to get a handle on rules of engagement using AI so that copyright is clear before AI becomes mainstream. Ursula, thank you very, very much. I'm getting an echo on somebody's mic. Thank you, Ursula. Very interesting about the translations. And the question is accuracy of the translation, right? Is the AI going to find the emotion in that character? Is it going to well, be able to use the right idioms? And we see this in human translations, don't we? Is some, we do. We, and, go ahead, and I quick. think the wall is providing natural language capability, which is a big deal. And um, I think that's going to be phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal is a good thing. Yes. Sharing. I like the way you said spreading ideas, communicating, sharing across those barriers. And I love the idea of the wall <laughs> giving you directions on the subways. I have no idea where that is, but it sounds very exotic and very interesting, Ursula. Thank you so much. Let's go to Carrie Guess. You're patient. You're, everybody is equal on the show, Carrie. Somebody had to be first. Somebody had to be last. So, Carrie, how do you carry all of those recognition awards that you get? Seriously, do you have trophies? Do you have a trophy room? Carrie, what do you do with all these? Come on, tell us quickly. They have a you... spot. They have a spot. Okay. Or yeah. Carrie, go ahead. You got the, you got a full three and a half minutes. Do your thing. So I think I think it's gonna. I'm gonna take a little bit different take. I'm gonna say that AI is gonna generate a ridiculous number of new jobs. Ooh. And I know that's opposite of what people think, but I do believe that we're gonna have one avenue of employment that's going to be curriculum based on critical thinking. That's something that we really don't have a lot of these days. It's very easy to isolate yourself from any opinion or any fact that you don't think is yours or doesn't agree with you. But I think that we're going to have people with critical thinking that are going to do that because we have to be able to look at our result sets and verify those and make sure that we're getting accurate information. We all read that thing last week where that lawyer used chat GBT and presented a brief that was based on absolute nonsense. So I do believe that we're going to have critical thinking as part of that. I also believe that in the legal community, to other points, there's going to be barriers for what you can input in a large language model. I think we're going to see a lot of these AI tools being brought into companies just for that reason, because of intellectual property concerns. What is my exposure? If I were to in several AI engines right now, if I were to take these three books and upload them and ask AI to generate a book for me using my tone, my whatever, mm -hmm. then my book, my work now is part of that large language learning model. Yes. And so companies really need to be very serious about that. And I think we're going to see different gatekeepers. If we're unsure about where a public AI is going to take us, then maybe as a company we put our own in for our own use, and maybe we don't use the entire AI or we don't use it across all of our businesses. Maybe we use it for help desk, or maybe we use it for new employee training. And then if we bring that step one step further, let's look at what AI can do to upset education. I can digest information much quicker if I put it on AI and get the key points for what I need to know. So now we can put people into positions and set up learning and training programs to augment what they don't have. 
When I wrote this book, 31% of the adult population of working age in the United States had a four-year better degree. 17% of those are doctors and lawyers. We cannot fill every position everybody wants with 14% of the population. And now keep in mind, all of those degrees are not applicable to all the jobs we have open. So what's our what's our alternative? We start bringing people online we use AI to craft our training programs, help figure out what we need to do for the industry, what works best for our company. Now the degree is not as important. What's important is the employee. Does this employee fit our culture? Is he going to work within our parameters? Is he coachable? Is he trainable? Is he teachable? All of those things that you need to make sure that an employee is fit. Now let's see what we can do to enhance their ability to present our business to the outside world. And maybe that is bespoke education. Maybe that is something when standards change and technology changes, maybe we use AI to do that boost and that benefit. So I think that AI is a springboard for a lot of new jobs. Somebody's got to program the robots. Somebody's got to do all these things. Somebody's got to do the interpretation. But most importantly, Somebody's got to give that critical thinking lens over everything that we do and everything we pull from AI, because once it's accepted as gospel, then the next guy accepts it as gospel, right? So I do believe that critical thinking is probably going to be one of the biggest things that comes out of AI, and I think it's going to be a career of its own. Carrie, I love ending on a positive mm -hmm. note. That was wonderful because people are still saying, oh, my job, what am I going to do? Upscale. Well, I mean, to be fair, some jobs probably can. But think about that. Think yeah. about the minutia and the BS that you sit through in your day. And if you could take half that off your plate, how much more strategic could you be for a company? How much more strategic could you be in your own career, in your own knowledge, in your own learning pathways, in your own future? Absolutely. I mean, that's what I think it unlocks. And the idea of the four-year degrees and how many people still see value in having being saddled with debt for almost a lifetime for paying for college. <laughs> what will what will the future of Karen? What will the future of higher education be when we get these new opportunities, when we get these trainings that may not require a degree? You might be able to new jobs that don't require you to have a college degree. Oh my God, I'll tell you all quickly, my graduate school was a community college after my bachelor's and I got two degrees in uh, Associates of Science in Computer Programming and Operations. I was hired immediately to run a statewide community college information system as the programmer analyst, early woman in tech. Two years later, boss left and I was running the whole damn system. And this was after, but the degrees I got were associate degrees at a community college after I got a BA in psychology. Who wanted another BA in Think psychology? About Think yeah. about how much money in college debt is spent on electives that have literally nothing to do with your degree? Absolutely. Nothing. And on that note, we have to do everybody put up your finger to do this in just a second. And I put my background up so you can see this is really technology revolution, the future of now. I value each of you. You all made wonderful contributions. Some of them we wanted to hear some we weren't sure about, some we said, what? No, but that's the value of bringing your POV to this show. I appreciate every one of you. Sorry that that uh, Katja McEwen couldn't join us, and I don't know where, where in the world our other guest is, Jeremy Byrne, but it was perfect for you. I want to say thank you to Aaron Keller at Voice America, who is Director of Tech, tech Productions and Tech Predictions and everything there, and he stepped in to be my engineer today. I appreciate you, Aaron, and wish you a happy new year. So everybody, put up your finger on the can of three. We're going to say... People say the future is already here, and our answer, one, two, three, say no, no, no. One, two, three, no! No, 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 no. 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 It's coming, but it's not here yet. Bonnie D saying goodbye. Don't go away, everybody. We've got to take pictures. Bye, LinkedIn. Bye, Facebook. 
Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now.